0: You know, if somebody pulls a shot on me, I'm hoping to get revenge within <laughs> 24 and 48 hours, okay? Not 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so that's, it took a long time, but.
1: I feel like it would eat. What is that called?
0: Um, the Count of the Monte Cristo.
1: Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Is that like a classic yeah. book? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: I've heard the name, but I never knew what it was. And then, you know, it was explained to me and I started listening and then I got the audio book. I'm like, wow, this is okay. interesting.
1: All right. Yeah. A lot Worth of lessons it? to be yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean,
0: if you go into it with an open mind, um I think why people like watching all those narco shows and stuff is, you know, you kind of want to be aware of how the other side is doing things and so I think there's a lot to be learned in there, a lot of lessons. Yeah. I see a lot of people, these sales gurus now all over the internet. <laughs> and just like you play guitar, If I came in here and said, hey, I'm going to play guitar, you'd realize within, I don't know how long, 30 seconds if I knew what I was doing or not? Yeah. Okay. I feel like when I see somebody pitching that I'm the greatest sales coach, mentor ever, I feel within one minute, I'll know if they're more on the manipulation side or if they're a true um, professional, more on the persuasion side. yeah, And there, I think there's a distinct difference between those two, manipulation, and persuasion.
1: I think so, for sure. A
0: stark difference. And one of the things that I notice is it's this, um, it's called like, yes, momentum selling. Like, Chris, I see you got a podcast here and you put a lot of time in it. Um, do you want to get a lot of subscribers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of get all these little yeses along the way and kind of almost like, train their brain to say yes to something bigger that's going to come later. And so they're kind of manipulating the rapport building when they use this. I think it's they're called tie downs, like attorneys do it a lot. Mm -hmm. The problem is it doesn't preserve anybody's autonomy. Yeah. And so then it becomes instinctual. That's why people say, I hate going to buy a car because I feel like I'm being attacked the second I go in there.
1: Well, and then the buyer's remorse is always way higher. And if if you're doing something with annual subscriptions and recurring, whatever it might be, the chances of them buying from you or wanting to buy from you again or having a good experience overall is a lot lower. Like you, at that point, you're just kind of lucking out if they have a good experience.
0: You're getting it because they have no other choice, or yeah. they they've <laughs> just like, we've been to five places, they all suck. Let's just do it. You yeah. know, you're getting it out of default. Mm-hmm. You're and the problem with that is when you start using empathy and you get away from that type of sales manipulating you end up building better relationships, which is gonna, you're gonna have a lot of velocity on the amount of deals because of the referral business. Cause you're gonna build such a strong bond with the individual. They're gonna go out of their way to say, like tonight, when I go out to dinner tonight, the first thing I'm gonna talk about is the new studio and how you guys had a couple guests on and you went from a thousand views to millions, <laughs> yeah. literally in one post. and. But nobody's really talking about all the little, you know, ball bangers that we've been having along the way where nobody's watching. And um, I kind of lost track of what I was talking about here. Well, dude,
1: it's a good – I was going to go somewhere else because I want to know – because you've built this and you have this big pipeline going. But actually, one of the things I want to talk to you about too is that feeling in between where you're at now and then getting where – you're building up and all that stuff to where you've built this pipeline and this velocity because that's a, it's a tough spot to be when you try to go the empathetic, the actual, like, trusted advisor route. I, I want to help people when I sell. You're that guy. Yeah, but but part of the challenge with that too is that it is kind of a longer game and Yes. the longer game explanation is nice but when you have to bring money in the door and you have to do all those things, you've got to you have to fucking move, you know, you got to like get in motion. So it, there are a lot of those times of doubt or worry because that gap is so long between partnering with the right people, giving a good service, making them trust you, all these things to where they bring other people in. That's like a long term. Now you've gotten the business to the point where that velocity, it would it's not that it would be hard for you to turn that off, but it would be almost you'd have to do more work to slow that velocity down than it would be to just say I'm going to keep these deals coming in, I'm going to keep delivering great service. Like you've built that over time. Like was it always like this or how long has it taken you to get to the spot where this okay. is? Okay.
0: The I know what you're asking for, but it's a two part to unpack that. One, I wanted to get it fast out of the gate. You know, you hear a lot of like generations before say, you know, you're not going to make any money for two to three years. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I'm going to work two to three years of my life. and We're not going to make any money. Like I'm not a business guy at the time. I had no idea. I could barely finish high school, but that didn't seem instinctually right to me. Mm -hmm. I want to work hard. I'm going to do the right thing out of whether it's a hundred days in or one day in, I'm going to give it as much passion and care as. It didn't matter, so why should it take so long? Well, then you started learning about the infrastructure and different liabilities and and fuck-ups. And, (laughs) you know, just like anything that is really great, it takes time. Um, You know, you play guitar unless you, you know, started early. I'm sure you put a lot of hours in, you know, guys like Tiger I don't think anybody's born naturally gifted. I can, I really think everybody... It puts the repetition in, some people just get it in a lot sooner. Tiger Woods, you know, had his 10,000 hours in by the age of nine, you know, where some people are hitting it in their 40s and 50s, so he's just way ahead of the curve. I feel like we could have turned the velocity up on the speed if we knew more about empathy and were more empathetic. Because sometimes that go, go, go mentality actually can cause anxiety on the other side. Hence for them to say, you know what, I'm gonna hit the pause button right now because even though your intentions might be good, that's not being empathetic because empathy is what the other person sees through their eyes. And so in the beginning when we were like, came down from up north and down here, and you you know, a lot of Floridians kind of had this tendency to kind of just be laid back a little bit and not move as quick and we're balls to the wall out of the gate.
1: Massachusetts people.
0: Yeah. And by the way, balls to the walls, um, I know we're in the old flight docks building is a air term. I think it's the throttles, you know, pushing the two balls up against the walls, balls to the walls. Is it? Yeah. I think you might have to check with your brother on that one, but I'm almost certain.
1: I'll ask him about his balls. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. You do that. Um, text me. Um, but the, the long game, first of all, we didn't have social media when we first started. So, we were going to literally events every night. It was um, CBIA, Chamber Function. Every night there's an event. And you'd meet maybe 10 people. There'd be 50 there, but you'd meet 10 people. Now, with this social media, you know, I was adding up before we got here. I did four posts today. And just on one platform, I'm adding up the amount of impressions. You know, that's a lot of eyeballs 10,000, 15,000 eyeballs you're seeing this you get a million eyeballs after you post something well if that's the case why wouldn't you want to post a lot more i had someone ask me that day, hey, don't you kind of feel like you might be posting too much and i said honestly when i'm scrolling me personally and i'm just kind of consuming content getting ideas seeing what else is going on checking out your podcast i'm scrolling through literally thousands of things so the likelihood that i remembered oh Chris posted twice and not four times. That's not going through my head. What's going to go through my head is something that stands out to me that seems like I might learn something. Maybe the visual's different or real crisp and, or the music's right, and it just captivates you. But I think accelerating the amount of connections, leading back to your earlier thing, with the social media has been a game changer. And so if anybody is wanting to start a business, a podcast... And start making for a name for themselves. They literally need to spend every waking minute posting stuff, because in this right now, you can't get enough people to see your content. And the algorithm's really not designed on what you're posting. I think it's based on what they're consuming. So if people like consuming your stuff, then it would like if I go on tonight and I I want to see some of your podcasts. I don't want to watch one. I probably if they're good and I write. Th- watch the right one, I'm going to want to watch 10. Yep. Well, if you only got four on there, think about it. You just lost an hour's worth of view time. I might have been prepared to sit and just watch every one of your podcasts. Yeah. I do that with Gary Vee. I do that with Chris Voss. I do that with Jordan Peterson. You know, I'll name them. I like to watch them all.
1: And even just the, even the one a day stuff, like putting out one a day, That's even, a, even yeah, if man. you could do three a week, just keep it basic because like you and I kind of got past the breakers on some of this stuff. And it's like, okay, now you just get in the flow. Like we built the habit, we built the muscle. It's just moving That's along. That's right. But when you're like a business owner and you're trying to do this stuff, you're all nervous. You're not sure what to do. You're worried that it's going to be judged. And then you think this is like, for some reason, I still think it. You get it before phone calls. This is the most important phone call or how do you handle that
0: tell me so we just
1: move through it. are
0: you saying fear is the overriding decision factor when deciding whether to do a post or not is it fear
1: fear anxiety all that comes into play and it depends on what's going on during that day too so it's like if you're if you can prepare if you can have all the stuff going you can get that stuff moving it makes that easier but also If you do it more consistently, you start to move out of that fear zone into how is this actually going to land? How is this going to impact people? Like, is this actually valuable? Will this either entertain somebody, teach somebody, do something like well, that? Well, the
0: beautiful thing is you're gonna find out. There's so many analytics right away. If you're paying attention and and you're consistent, you'll start mm-hmm. to notice these patterns. Yeah. And as you start getting more views, then it's obvious people love
1: watching your stuff. Well, and it leads to real dollars. Like we were just talking about this last week. We, we put these posts out on Vessel Vanguard. We got this stuff ramped up, interviews of people in the industry. We're doing the Boating Insider stuff. That'll be good too but we're putting all this content out and it's so far already led led to real sales like direct sales they've led to referrals these people have gotten us in contact with all these other industry people and now they're realizing oh you guys have a solution for this problem that's been a huge pain in the ass for us for literally decades like and I had no idea you guys existed Cool. I'll give you a follow. This person's now liking fifteen things that you do, and when you reach out to them and you start the conversation, th- you're not starting from that square one. It's like, hey, I, all right, this isn't just like some schmuck reaching out selling me some nonsense. Like I've seen what they do. Nobody likes to be sold to, or at least like the approach is always weird to get somebody yeah. reached out. People
0: want to buy; they don't want to be
1: sold. Yeah, and they're like, all right. I'll take some time. What do you got? They'll either take a phone call, they'll do a demo, whatever it might be, and it's it's some basis that you've built while you haven't even been talking to them directly. You've been talking to them directly, but not with them. It's and, very
0: innocuous.
1: Yeah, but it's it uh I don't know, it's uh, you know exactly what I <laughs> Yeah, <I'm talking. laughs> Of
0: course. Dale Carnegie back in the day would say, on average, do you know Dale Carnegie? Yeah. Sales guru, professional trainer, one of the original ones, well before the internet would say, you need to have, if you want to engage with a new client to you know start coming in here, to do a podcast, and commission you to chop up some content for their firm. On average, Dale Carnegie would say, you'd have to have five to seven interactions with this individual before you can build enough rapport, which will equal trust um, for him to be able to exchange money for goods and services. Five to seven on average, okay? that was
1: in the 30s. Yes, a long
0: time ago. Now, let's take social media. I do five posts a day, six days a week. That's 30 potential touches per week, innocuous touches. And what that's done for our business, for the velocity of the number of sales, I don't have to go out and meet and meet in the showroom and do a consultation, talk on the phone, back and forth, email five to seven times before we have an exchange. We're able to do business over 80, 85% of the time, Jay and I now, on the first meeting. And what that proved to us was those five to seven in the beginning were just to build report to trust. It was completely a trust thing. The social media has condensed and leaned that actual live person-to-person communication back and forth. It's taken that off the table. It's already They've already done their due diligence in their mind. I trust this person because they've been consuming all the content. And so when people say, I don't have time to do social media, well, think about how much time they're interacting on that five to seven that Dale Carnegie's talked about through email, phone calls, face-to-face. I don't thinking, do that anymore.
1: I'm just thinking of the efficiency, literally. It's like, massive, Yeah, it's
0: massive. It's a massive amount. And to me, that's the biggest like untold story for us and our success with the social media. Of course, I wanna to get to the point where um, I'm getting offered brand deals to just do posts. Like, that would be the best, right? I'm on my way to work, I'm doing a stupid post, I'm getting paid for that, that would be amazing. But the real rub for us is to help condense the sales cycle for us on our glass products and services because we wanna service more people. We have a great product, we have the process, and this kind of, I think innocuously fills that. Are these people creeps? Are they gonna steal my money? It takes care of all that. Yeah. Because that's what all those really unnecessary meetings are in the beginning. It's a waste of time for both parties. It's necessary because that's the only way they knew to feel somebody out and they're doing their due diligence. Sure. The mind's doing the due diligence. The social media kind of satisfies that and it's really it's helped.
1: Well, and I think the frequency that you do it and the type of stuff that you put out too does satisfy that because it's you talk about you do the funny videos. Yeah. You do and some of them it's just like They're literally nonsense and it's just fun. It's like a funny thing to do. That's usually
0: when I'm sitting around doing nothing and I find (laughs) one and I just repurpose it.
1: But that's that's one aspect. But then you also have where you're doing these now where you're talking with Jay and you're talking about things in the glass industry or like I was just listening to the one before this of like, hey, if you got your wine cellar, where should you put it? Not in your garage and not by the pool. All these things that are basic, but it just makes somebody go like, Oh, I've never thought of where. Yeah, I put and it's a an important thing. Wine cellar right. in my house or something like that. So you, you start to build the trust along those lines. But see
0: what you're saying though—you're already building those five to seven.
1: Yeah, and even if that's thirty or forty videos, because there is an impact of in person. There's there. I don't yeah. know that there's a real replacement for it. No Zoom comes oh. close, but still, it is. So maybe it's more frequent or more volume on those number of touches, but it's it's still five to seven, but each video is maybe point 0.2, point 0.2, point 0.2, point two, point 0.2. Okay, that equals one of those five in-person meetings. It's like something like that.
0: Do you watch Gary V? Not really. Who, who do you watch the most? Who do you, like, who's coming up in your feed? When you open your feed right now, who's popping up in there?
1: Um... I get a lot of like Shane Gillis, the stand-up comedian, okay. Tim Dillon, a lot of those guys.
0: If Shane Gillis walked in here right now, would you feel comfortable enough to do a business deal with him?
1: Uh, I don't know what I would sell him, but if he yeah.
0: if maybe he had something
1: and Well, he's and, a stand-up comedian yeah, so. and perfect I we bought tickets. I just went to see him do stand up comedy. Cause you
0: feel like you know him, you consume yeah. all of his stuff. Exactly. So you almost like inherently trust him now for some reason. And you've yeah. never met him. No, you've never met him. Yep. He could be a total creep. Yeah. But you, you don't believe that because he's vulnerable. You, you, you've watched his content. And so you feel 100% comfortable. Yeah. So when I meet someone in person for that first time, we're usually going to do a deal because they feel comfortable. They see, they see who I am on the internet.
1: Yeah, and by that time also, too, they're going to know, like, either I I don't need a wine cellar or I do need a wine cellar. And then at the end of the day, that's all you
0: want as a salesperson is a decision.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes or no? You just want a decision.
0: Just a decision. There's an old saying, I love this, it's not a sin not to get a deal. It's a sin to take a long time not to get a deal. Yeah. And that indecision there creates so much anxiety a lot of times, and then it causes um, unnecessary pressure, which actually can hurt the deal. Oh, yeah. Um, So a decision is really what you're after.
1: A hundred percent. And that's something that as I get back, so as I'm selling now for Vessel Vanguard, did I tell you this?
0: You haven't told me personally, but I've put two and two
1: together. Okay, so I'm selling here. And it's getting back into that SaaS sales, like mm-hmm. recurring software mm-hmm. sales mindset that it's, you know, I've already done it and I've done it at a pretty decently high level. And then it was like, I don't have the Bambi legs anymore getting back into it, but you got to shake the cobwebs off a little bit. And there's certain ones, like certain, some of those deals where you're just going through and it's like, this is sitting out there a long time. I think this thing died I'm going to throw a couple Hail Marys out there. And if nothing, I'm just going to close it and keep moving on. Because it's one of those – that's one of those things of sales is as you're learning you're get, or you're getting back into it, you, you're going to fuck some stuff up. Like there's some stuff that you're just going to mess up because either you forgot how that worked or like the signs were right in front of your face and you just missed it. And then they closed and you're like, that was obvious. Like how did I miss that?
0: Are you actively looking for those things like being – are you humble enough to be aware, like after the fact to say, I I think I fucked this up or I, I maybe I should have did this. Yeah. Or maybe did a little bit better job qualifying in the beginning?
1: My I actually have I, I tend towards the opposite problem what do you th- mean? than most people. So most pe for most people what I see is like, no, I was fine. And I'm like, oh man, that was that was bad. And then they like, Yeah. Bomb job oh, Yeah, and then and everyone's like I don't know. I think they're going to sign, and then the contract comes through. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I guess I did a pretty good job on it, but like, uh, so well, you can
0: always downplay that. Yeah. That's okay. So I, uh,
1: but I'm, uh, no, I'm I'm open to like, hey, what did I do there? Like, I'll, I'll always kind of like self reflect on that, some of that stuff. Like, hey, I opened that up weird. Should have got more information up front. Uh, I asked that question kind of weird. Or hey, if I did three minutes worth of research right before I got on this call instead of the one minute just get started, I would have not had the three of these questions. I could ask three. Do you have a set of go to
0: if if you get on the phone with somebody who's who you deem a potential perfect client, like you believe you have the right goods and services for them and you know they're in the market for something like what you have to offer. Yeah. When you get onto that call or meet in person, do you have a go to objective Early, like right out of the gate, is there something that you you know, I have to do this or this in order to set the table for what it, I ultimately want to see happen?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Are you so, able to share that with us? Yeah. So when I get on the call, I, so I, I follow like this closed loop method. That's, their, that's the sales group. It's called closed loop. But I use a lot of stuff from their approach. But it works for me because it lets me get – to the sale, it lets me make sure that this is actually a good fit for them, and it lets me move the ball forward, if this is a good fit, to get past like, the standard nonsense objections like, oh, you know, like, if this is going to be a good fit, we should move ahead and then either tell me yes or no. But so when I get on the call, it's like, make sure they have enough time, make sure you've got everybody that needs to be there is there for this call. And then ultimately ask them like, what, what do you want to cover here? Like, what's important to you? What what do you want to leave this call with? And then when I'm, before we dive into it, just set that next step of, hey, so at the end of this call, before we wrap up, we'll touch on this stuff, but we'll figure out what the next steps are from here. Like, does that work for you? And so I want to know what they want to know so I can answer those questions. I also want to know what they're doing now so I can understand what pain they have. And If we actually can solve that pain, and then I want to understand when they're ready to go because some people might have a ton of pain, but for whatever reason that you can't freaking pull the sword out of the stone, they're not ready to move at this time. and. You can do things to move that along but sometimes are
0: you, you able can't. to recognize if right out of the gate you know what th- this isn't the right time for us right now and if you do recognize are you able to shut it down or do you still kind of keep trying to push through
1: i still keep trying to push through at this stage because what i'm finding with this company is that the vessel vanguard wheelhouse they've been around for 10 plus years and They work and people that use it like it, but a lot of people out there don't really know what it is yet. So I almost take those as time because we're not inundated with tons of like qualified leads all the time where it's like, it doesn't make sense. I take that time to explain it, walk through what it is, and I can see people's light bulbs going off. And I'd say it's right now, 50, 50 on where it goes of people like, well, I hear you, I'm still not interested at this time, but like, I wanna stay in touch. Or people are like, okay, we actually need to talk about this because it's, the concept is somewhat new in Marine. We did it in aviation, we were going against incumbent. So people knew the concept and then it was like, can you do it better? With this, sometimes people don't even know what it is that we're doing yet or the problem that we're solving. And so I'm taking that time to go through and flesh it out. Some people I'm like, hey, it doesn't sound like this is (laughs) going to be a good fit right now, is it? And they're like, no. I'm like, all right. But I've only had that one time so far here. So I don't know. I'll get to that point where I'll, I'll shut it down if it doesn't make sense. But right now we're... We're in a unique position in the market where that that doesn't really help our sales process yet. Do you know what I'm saying? So then the trap becomes I need to be focused enough to know when that change happens.
0: Yeah, Yeah, be aware. Yeah. I think being aware... I think being aware right now in this current market can pay massive dividends. I was at a restaurant last night, and it's a restaurant that I frequent quite a bit. It's a very common restaurant, big chain restaurant, actually. Twin and
1: Peaks, it, yeah.
0: It's at <laughs> Twin Peaks. Um, where is that? <laughs> um, it's Longhorn's. And I go to this Longhorn because there's one particular waiter that gives service that resembles something I would receive at Ruth Chris. And it's even a little bit better sometimes because he doesn't have to be as stiff and he understands my personality, but he's extremely aware. And let me give you an example. I'm what I like to self-proclaim call a hard charger. Like I'm moving, I get anxiety if I sit and nothing's happening.
1: I'll I i can. I'll give you a third-party verification. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and so if we're going to a restaurant and there's not a lot of stuff happening, I'm getting anxiety. I'm not a drinker, like that's just dead time for me. And I'm trying not to be on the phone because I'm with the family. So this person automatically recognizes that when we got to the table. So when he gave the drink order, he said, did you also want to put in your food order? Now, we've been here 1 trillion times. We know what we're getting. We only get the same thing, all of us. And so we automatically put that in Now, in my brain, this is somebody who cares about me. They get it. He gets it without having to say it. It's very innocuous, but he's aware. And so we go through the whole shebang Jefferson service, halfway down on my water, another water comes. I never asked for a drink, but I was never thirsty. And then the coup de gras, the food comes and he brings the bill. To me, this guy is the server of the year. Nobody's ever done that because usually you eat and then you're kind of like, oh, it's busy. Hey, when you get a chance, get the bill. It's another 10 minutes. And again, is 10 minutes the end of the world? No. But it's the difference between me having a really good night and just tampering with that anxiety while I'm waiting, which
1: is miserable. Well, and it's that's the difference between how things work in the real world and what benefits long term versus the corporate spreadsheet of 100%. you have this time frame, okay, and then you give them their food and they're going to ask for the check. But you're going to give them a little bit of that time because that dessert Those come rules and it's like
0: are meant for most people to kind of keep civilization moving forward. <laughs> yeah. But the hard chargers, the ones that are extremely aware, David Goggins has this saying. I love it. Do you watch David Goggins at all? What? Yeah, yeah, stay hard. <laughs> it's actually really weird to say that to people. I said it to someone the other day. I'm like, yeah, stay hard. I'm get like, away from our wait, children. get away from me. Yeah. But he says, I think he read it somewhere. I don't know if it's a quote or story, but it's been said that if a hundred random guys go to war, just a hundred, we pull a hundred randoms off the street, 10 of them shouldn't even be there. They're just getting in the way. Okay. Um, See, 80 of them are going to be targets. They're like, they're there because they want to be their patriarch, but they don't, they don't have that extra gear to like want to kill. Nine of them will do most of the killing and one's a leader. You know, I'd like to consider myself in the nine, hopefully one day to be a leader. But um, rules are really meant, like you said, those corporate rules are to keep the 80 kind of right in there. This kid, when he brought that to me, I know I was over 30% on the tip just because where the bill ended up and what I had. I had no problem going well above the norm because of how aware this kid was. Now I'm thinking, I know I'm not the only hard charger, you know, business entrepreneur that wants to get home after a long week on a Friday to watch Netflix or Apple TV, whatever it is, or your podcast on YouTube, on your (laughs) YouTube streaming channel, that's on fire, by the way. Um, And that changed my night. I was telling my kids the whole ride home. How awesome this was and how aware he was. And we used it as a learning moment. It was so impactful that it made a random dinner, which by the way, I got a baked potato and a salad. That's all I got. Now everyone else got their steaks and stuff that they get there. But it was such a good experience because of how aware this kid was. It had nothing to do with the food. It had nothing to do with the temperature in there or the cleanliness of any of the other tables. It was him. That person, he owned the moment and he was aware. So no matter what business you're in, you have to not only immerse yourself in the goods and services that you're providing, but you really need to immerse yourself in the eyes of the consumer that wants to seek those goods and services. And when you're able to do that, you're able to kind of create this experience where my gut was telling me, I need to take care of this person, he gets it. And I know there's a lot more. We, t- we had this meeting at our shop this morning where our installers, They're getting tons of five-star Google reviews, and a lot of them are getting money now. The customers are tipping them because there's such a lack of awareness, I believe, across the board in the service industry, that you got this old-school mentality, not the baby boomers like me, but generation before the, or no, the boomers, I'm generation X. They want this old-school mentality, good, high customer service, hard work, and when they see a younger individual doing that, They go out of their way to take care of them because it's nostalgic. Everybody likes nostalgia. And um, it was just really cool. This happened just last night. I'll probably go again there before the end of the weekend just because I want to celebrate this person. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And... And you really do stand out. Like when you're when you're a younger person, you do all that kind of stuff, you do end up really standing out. You too.
0: can. When Jay and I talked about this recently. We were talking about we see a lot of construction vans that are the dashboard is littered with shit. There's wrappers and empty Starbucks cups and just shit. And then they get out of the truck and they open the back of the truck and none of the cords are like neatly wrapped up. Everything's just kind of stuffed. It's ten pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. And then they get up to the front door and they reek a cigarette smoke. Now, if this is a young individual that says, I hate it when the customer's over my shoulder watching me, <sighs> you created that problem the second you pulled in the driveway. Yes. They were already judging you instinctually when you pulled in the driveway. However, if you're a younger guy and you show up and all those things, the dashboard was wiped down, your extension cords were folded up clean, your shirt was tucked in and you presented yourself with good morning, ma'am or sir, that person's gonna go. Bathroom's down the hall on the left. You know, yell to me if you need anything. Can I bring you some coffee? You know, did you want me to take off my shoes? Oh my God, you're a sweetheart. I'm gonna tell all my friends at Bridge about you. Like it.
1: <laughs> Bridge.
0: Yeah. The soft skills are really being overlooked, and they have to. It should be the core of every business because you don't need a degree to have respect or you know awareness for another individual. And there's just so much opportunity being missed from people that are carrying out through their job not performing this way. It's like because you're gonna do it anyway, why not do it the best?
1: Well, so all right, so why not do it the best? Like, or I guess why do it the best? Like what for? So so part of part of the, what I see is there's there's a there's like a mental bridge, and I don't know if I'm able to see it because I actually fluctuate back and forth, so. Whereas most people I talk to are either on that side of like, I'm going to do a great job or they're not really on that side. And I don't know, I do fluctuate. So it's, I guess I can see it, but there is, I don't know if it's like a sense of nihilism or like the world is pointless kind of viewpoint of when you go, why not? Well, they go like, well, there's a thousand reasons to. So on the flip side of that, I know we're talking about opportunity, money, everything like that, but why do it?
0: I think every individual wants to have a sense of purpose or at least have the opportunity to leave a legacy. I've I've recently talked to a couple sports figures and one thing I said to them I said, "Would you rather a championship or to be in the Hall of Fame?" All of them undoubtedly said they want to be in the Hall of Fame, which means People are more concerned about leaving a legacy. So when you say why, like I think this sense of regret. If you went and asked, if like if you and I started doing podcasts, which we might want to consider doing, this going to old age homes, maybe like on Fridays where they all kind of congregate, and we bring them up and we hear some old stories. I bet what we'll hear that's consistent with everyone is probably, and this is going to be sad, is a story of regret. I bet so many people say, God, I wish that I did this. I wish I did that. And when you start to hear that, I think you'll start looking at the world differently because it's very easy. I go through this sometimes too. It's very easy to go down that road of this nihilism. You know, yeah. Why am I even doing this? But you're also one more post away from, I just saw this yesterday. A kid on TikTok wants to be a singer and he's in his garage. He's 17 years old. He wrote a song and he wrote the lyrics and he generated a beat through this like real cheap machine that was handed down to him. And overnight, this person is on a billboard charts with his song. Never in the history of the world, I believe (laughs) that you could have that type of stardom literally overnight and with that social media. And so when
1: I, you got to keep doing it.
0: When I, so when you say why, you should really just be saying, why not? Because you're literally one more post away from blowing up. Like, look at you. I, I called you the day or text you the day I saw. I'm going through and I yeah. thought it was a mistake. I, I saw an M on there. I'm like, that's million. There's millions of views on his YouTube. <laughs> and here we were just both in the hundreds, you know, like, oh God, I hope I get a couple hundred views. <laughs> and so you're literally one post away from blowing up you of anybody both of you should know what's right around the corner and and that will help curb that you know potential like why am I doing this
1: yeah because you're well,
0: literally one post away
1: yeah and and two it's like um it, the consistency piece does oh. help with it oh yeah but also kind of i I've gotta there's two things like that I'm starting to realize seem to be the main foundation of keep doing it is like some sort of check-in with yourself. So whether it's writing, journaling, mm. I even have like this kind of podcast machine in my garage. Sometimes I'll just fucking sit there and talk into it while I'm 100%. sitting at the desk. I'm like, this, is, this isn't this is going anywhere. I feel like a, like somebody's mom set this up. It's like, you're going to be famous. Like just talk into it. You're going to be on the yes. podcast. And I just sit there. I love that. So I can get the ideas out. But also it does come back to, I do have to hit, real world thing. So you can do that and that's great. But if you stay detached from like real world, I say metrics for a lack of better term, but I got to go out and I got to sell X amount because I need to bring in money. There's other people here. They need salaries. Got to pay for this place. Like you, you have to hit real world like obstacles. You don't want to get fucking beaten down all the time. That does suck. It wears on you. But if you can check in with yourself and then have to hit real-world obstacles, like those two things, like it's almost like I think bumpers this is a, on a bowling alley. I think
0: this is a perfect segue to talk about Mr. Rick Rubin.
1: All right, let's do it.
0: Because Mr. Rick Rubin, and you let me know if we get to a time element. I'm totally fine. Cool. I don't know how he showed up in my feed. And I've heard his name before, and I didn't really know who he was. And then I did some research and watched a documentary. And so Rick Rubin, famous uh, music producer, actually really knows very little about music.
1: Like playing instruments.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe he can do some stuff with a mixing board, but he says that's not his shtick. Right. What he's known for is his... Ability to put someone or help someone kind of push them along to a creative state, kind of getting through these, is it worth it? Am I not good enough? Like, well, that's not what my, no, no, no. A true artist is actually doing it for why they love it. And then hopefully the people will enjoy it because if you start making content, now this is really going against the marketing aspect. If you start making content for what people want to see, you're selling to them. If you start making it for uh, creative artistic, they will also love it for a different reason. And, Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for that. And so when you say, maybe I want to be making more content that'll help generate more leads for your current venture, that's true, you should, and it will help. But I also know, he mentioned that you're more, six times more likely, someone's six times more likely to do business with you if they like you, if they like you. Well, that person doesn't work 24 seven. They go out in the real world too and they enjoy the same struggles and experiences we all do. So I think there's unlimited possibilities of content that could be put out there and somebody's gonna gravitate to it. And again, because of all the analytics, you have the ability to start dialing in what's working, what's not working. Yeah, but sure. the consistency is really the main key. You've t- you've said that, and it is. It's like working out. It is a if you don't like delayed gratification. Like, don't even bother being an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're up for a difficult,
1: yeah, difficult road. Well, and doing all this stuff is delayed gratification. Oh you're my like, oh, gosh! My God, this is gonna hit. It's gonna be huge. Like six huge. views. <laughs> yeah, six.
0: Yeah what the fuck, dude? <laughs> um, but what I really like about him and respect about him is he takes credit for nothing. And he he doesn't pass judgment. What I noticed was one of the hacks that he was talking about is curiosity. He goes into every meeting, every situation, kind of not aloof, but curious. Because curiosity sparks good collaboration. It... It triggers people to want to talk and kind of work towards a common thing. And the curiosity triggers, uh, well, first of all, you can't be mad and curious at the same time. That's a really cool hack he said. You can't be mad and curious at the same time.
1: I never thought about that. Yeah,
0: and so if you're a person that goes into a conversation that's easily triggered, it would be beneficial for you to go into that conversation curious because that's how you're going to learn. And it'll the other person's gonna recognize your curiosity and it triggers this human dynamic of wanting to talk, wanting to explain, I wanna show you how smart I am. And if you're curious, then you're basically telling me you want me to talk more. And as a salesperson, that's a massive hack because they say ask questions, but the real rub is you just need to gather information. And if you just go in with a curious mind and a person starts blabbing everything they need to you, you didn't have to ask one question. Which is actually the best way to sell because it people sometimes can be defensive when you ask certain questions. Sure. And so getting them to give you information without asking questions is a high-level way of selling, but curiosity is one of those ways.
1: Well, and, and two, I think maybe you can't be mad and curious at the same time, but it would also be – it's hard to be uh, – Fearful and curious at the same time. So take sales for an example. Like if you go to call, cold call somebody or you're getting ready to go into these situations and you're nervous and you have like fear as the primary thing or like, oh man, I'm really like worried what's going to happen. Like worry and all that stuff. It's hard to tap into that curiosity to get well, the information you that's want.
0: That's the game, folks. I mean, yeah. you have to get your reps into the point where... Go back to being aware. If I, I was petrified to do cold calls. I would lie about how many cold calls I was doing in the beginning to my brother and father because I was so <laughs> nervous and hated the potential fact of rejection. Mm-hmm. But once I became aware of the dynamics of not only our business within our, our brick and mortar, but of our consumer, it made it very easy for me to have a conversation with these people because I know what they need to hear now. I know the struggles that they go through. And, you know, um, once a person knows that you see the world through their eyes, you can literally do anything. You guys can collaborate. You can, it's unadulterated at that point.
1: Well, and and you bring up a good point too, is there's a couple ways to do it. It's those reps of getting it in, but also to take a step back and see things from a bigger perspective. Because... You get to see what the business is doing, but then as you talk to more people, you go out on more sales calls, you get out in the field more, you get into people's houses to check out the bathrooms, check out whatever they need, the wine cellars, all this stuff. You start to get the questions that come up. Well, I heard six people ask these same questions. Like, Let me ask them that question about this. So you can start to get a feel there, but also if you expand your knowledge to what you're doing in terms of Well, now we manufacture this and we do this. And then when we install it, we usually run into this problem. So now from here on your company's behalf, you can go to the customer too and be like, hey, look, one of the things that we notice is if we install it in this kind of spot, you know, a lot of customers before that were having drip issues. And we actually found during installation, it's because this part of the floor is going on who who did this initial installation or who was the builder on this house? Like, oh, it was Lenore or oh, it was Pulte or what? like whatever it was. Like, okay, here's what we're probably going to find in this situation, X, Y, Z. And now by expanding your knowledge, you can get over that fear. You can keep that kind of curiosity in place, but you actually can also bring value to that You're too. building
0: trust. You can almost probably hear it in their voice. When you start explaining what you know they see through their eyes Mm -hmm. you can almost hear the
1: sigh of relief
0: yeah it's almost like oh chris gets me finally somebody understands me somebody finally i've had this one of the best ways for a person to realize that they to kind of get on the same level is called a, a label If I recognize through having a conversation with you that this whole construction process along the way has been an absolute nightmare. And you're telling me how this has been back order, nobody shows up anymore. And, you know, there's since Ian, there's just not enough workers and the price has gone up. I'm gathering all that information right now. And instead of responding to all that, we don't do that, blah, blah, blah. That's all cliche. Let's get to the what what's really at the bottom of everything that she just said. It sounds like you want to work with someone you can trust. And that that particular label sounds like because I'm not saying you do. I'm not asking if you do. I'm just making a statement based on these three things that you just said. It sounds like this this has been a pain in the ass to this point. It sounds like you just want to work with someone you can trust. They're gonna say, well, yeah, I mean, my husband's been up north and, and I'm down here all by myself and I feel like I'm get taken advantage of. Now that piece of information right there, I could have said, I'm not gonna take advantage of you. We got 2,500 Google reviews. I said, I know what you're looking for. I'm gonna present the proposal to you. We're not gonna need 50% deposit on this. You're gonna pay on a credit card? Yeah, okay. We're gonna hold a credit card and I'm gonna do the whole job. And if you're happy and you believe that we did what I told you we were going to do, then we'll just run it at that point. You would do that for me? Oh, my God. If you do that, I'm going to tell my two or three neighbors. Now, we don't broadcast that we do that across the board. It's pretty common practice, actually, to get a 50% deposit.
1: But it's those case-by-case basis. A hundred percent.
0: These are negotiations. You know, and people's – People's biggest fear is their biggest fear. You know, yeah. if she just got railroaded by three contractors, the only way I'm really going to stand out is not pitching her how our business has all these awards. Since and we, 1986. Yeah, 1985. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. That's not going to help her situation. What she wants to know is she's not going to get screwed. And I'm going to show her through my actions because I was listening to what her pain points were. And that immediately put us on the same page and was going right to trust immediately.
1: Well, and you you get the benefit too from listening to that because you can kind of tell, and it might not be perfect, but you can tell with pretty good accuracy that this person has been doing the right thing and they're getting screwed over. You can tell, Chris. And versus like you talk to people that are like, oh, I'll get screwed over this, yes. that, that. And you're like- yes. Yep, hey, I don't think it's going to work out. We'll see you later. Like you can tell those differences because somebody that you're sketchy with, you're not going to be like, oh, just give me the deposit. You're like, fuck this, dude. All right, I understand. I apologize that we can't be the yep. person you need. And you go, but it is it is cool to be able to help those people that have constantly been. <laughs> railroaded. <laughs> yeah, railroading. Yeah. You know? When
0: you said earlier, why keep going? One of the benefits of playing the long game, when you watch Tom Brady towards the tail end of his career, one of the things all the announcers would always say is, God, it just looks like the game's just slowed down. for." Because here's a guy that's getting older, which means he should be getting slower, mm-hmm. okay? He's not right out of the gate. But he plays like he's moving faster. And the reason for that is he's got so many reps in that he's almost anticipating what's happening before him, and he's able to get ahead of that. Now in business 20 years, this this year it marks 20 years that we've been in business here in Southwest Florida. Over the last year or so, it seems like the game's starting to slow down. I can usually hear in the questions, the first one or two questions on the phone when they call, if there's a pain point, if there's a struggle, if this is a rush, if this is somebody just looking for extra information to validate a decision with somebody else. You know, 20% of the time they're not even gonna be buying from us. Yeah, They're just tire kicking or validating another bid. But I'm able to recognize that now. And it's, so now in the, again, why do you wanna do this? You wanna to get to the point where you get your 10,000 hours in, You know, whatever the old adage is, to the point where you start anticipating things and getting out ahead of it. And so when we were first talking earlier about people not getting back to you we just want a decision i'm aware of that dynamic and i want to make sure it doesn't happen so early in a conversation should i have the opportunity to say um, you know chris i know you and your wife walked in to look for shower door solutions and with all the information at the fingertips now on your phone you know what made you pick my shower door and and should we have a solution for you? How, how do you expect this to go moving forward? No matter what their answer is, I'm going to know if it's going to be a yes or if it's going to be a no. And the reason for that is I believe vision drives decision. Okay. And when I ask you, how do you expect this to go forward? If they say, well, you're the salesman, just sell me. I oh, already know. Yeah. I already know they're <laughs> in the 20% camp that's probably there just to get a competitive bid. Maybe they're not ready yet. They, they have no interest in buying right now versus the 80% who have a vision. You literally, you just finished doing a remodel. You want to get rid of that frame door or, you know, your daughter's now, she's taking showers and they want to get rid of the tub and make it a shower. And when you come in and I say, you know, how do you expect this? scenario? You know, how did you find us? Oh, our neighbor said, and they just did this remodel and we're doing the same exact remodel. Matter of fact, we don't have a lot of time, but if you could pull their order, we just wanna get the same one. That how question puts them in two camps immediately. It's either gonna be the yes or no. And I'm gonna handle each one of those accordingly. I'm not gonna tell the no one, we'll just get the fuck out then. Yeah. I'm gonna not spend as much time going into all the little minutia and details because it's irrelevant. I want to give them some literature. I'm going to inform them about our website, give them a bottle of water and let them roam through the showroom. And maybe if they have an epiphany and all of a sudden they have a vision of doing business, they'll come tell me. The other one will get, when you ask how, they'll get right into telling you how they want to do business. And in the beginning, I would say, well, you know, hold on, let me tell you what we're about and I want to give them all the value adds, why they should be buying. Which... T- actually took longer in the sales cycle because and they don't they, care maybe some do the analytical ones might you know the uh, bean counter or you know um,
1: but you don't know that you don't know that you ask that questions. question yeah.
0: and that question is going to give me so much it's it's unbelievable and in the long tail it saves so much time so much time it's uh, there's the, the guy I've talked to you about uh, Chris Voss before he calls it the proof of life question because when a when he was a hostage negotiator, if he called in, and, and you're the kidnapper and, and you're <sighs> kidnapping him, and and I'm his family saying, you know, I, I want to get him out of there. Well, first of all, how do I even know he's alive? Yeah, which is a legitimate question. So you, as a hostage taker, even though what you're doing is absolutely egregious, it's a legitimate question. So you're asking me for fifty million dollars and you know and a getaway car. Okay, well. Two things. One, I need to know if he's alive. So proof of life. I'm gonna say, you know, I hear what you're saying, but you know, how do how do we know he's alive? Well, here I'll let you talk to him. Okay. Well, I didn't say let me talk to him because that's an order. He's yeah. not gonna like an order. I didn't ask him a question because he'll get defensive. I just said, well, how, I don't know. How do I know he's alive? And you took it as well. Now it's the illusion of control. Well, I'll just he's here. You could talk to him. And I also know that you wanna stay alive because you asked for a getaway car. So you need to be paying attention and aware of what you're actually saying. And it's usually right not on the face, it's a little bit deeper. Is you gotta be able to go a little bit deeper and it's extremely uncomfortable because we're just not used to talking that way. Yeah, Most people are used to a didactic conversation. Meaning, I'm gonna say something, it's time for you to respond. That's bad, that's real bad the quickest way to build rapport is let the other person talk. So you could use encouragers, you know, like, oh, or you could mirror like, oh, you know, what was that? And you're going to explain more and you're going to, and then you would label. And now you're in a really good conversation. Like you're going to get to the bottom of whatever it is you're after.
1: Yeah. Well, and you add that curiosity piece it, in there and it does take you down the right path. It's, it's the combo, of the curiosity, of and then you, you do have to have the, ethical side, because un- you can use all these things that you and I are talking about to manipulate. You can 100%, so Chris, A hundred percent. But Chris,
0: you can use this for that too.
1: You can use anything. A
0: black belt you can use for.
1: Yeah. A- but anything. the
0: best will... You, it, there's an old saying too. I love these old sayings, so I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> it's the warrior in the garden. Yep. You know, you you have the means to... Be very powerful in a good way because that's how you build a really strong bond. Sociopaths also use these type of tactics because that's the quickest way to influence somebody into doing something they don't want. Mm -hmm. And it's the cheapest way. It doesn't cost anything. Um, But that's up to you to do the right thing.
1: And time usually plays that out.
0: People have amazing intuition. I was telling one of our newest salespeople how strong our intuition is. Uh, I was just reading this. This is another Rick Rubin thing. If you close your eyes and open your eyes for one second and then close them, your conscious mind will take in, I believe it's 30 to 40 points of data. Like one second. You saw a microphone, a light, you know, your hair, shirt. Your subconscious mind takes in about 20 million points of data.
1: What was the first one?
0: Like 20 to 30 points of data.
1: Versus 20 million.
0: Right. Right because you have size, smell, touch. Uh, There's just so many things that make up the microphone and the camera. And so it's hard to wrap your head around that. So let me put it in this example. Maybe you've done it. I did it this morning. I live in South Fort Myers, but I work in Naples. I take 41. It's a straight shot. There's usually traffic. You could literally tie a string around my steering wheel and just like, it's a straight shot. So I'm on my phone most of the time. I got to the showroom this morning and I kind of had this epiphany like, how the fuck did I get here? Okay, that's your subconscious mind. It just knows, it's it's taking you, but I wasn't paying attention, like I was paying attention to this. And that's how powerful your subconscious mind is. And so to get back to your question, when you manipulate somebody they'll know it eventually. Now, some of them don't have the, you know what's to say anything. And that's why they'll back out of the deal after the fact, because they're not confrontational. They're mm-hmm. afraid of that. And so they'll do it after the fact. Maybe they'll have their spouse, you know, my wife's good at this. She'll come up like, I didn't really like how you treat Can you call him and cancel? I was like, well, why didn't we just tell him that there? Yeah. What? Well, you know, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Oh, so now I'm going to hurt his feelings yeah. when you're not there. <laughs> and um, that's not good. But... Um, it's a thing, and you got to be aware of that.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's and that's also part of those times of like the deals and the length of how yeah. long they go. And even from the flip side of that, you start to gain that perspect perception and intuition of. I think this. I think this deal's dead. But <laughs> that's where it comes back to what I was talking about. Let me throw a couple hail marys yeah. out there. Try something different. I, yeah. Try a couple of things different. I think it's dead.
0: Are you using social at all to? Not just generate new opportunities, but to use as follow-up?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: By promoting their business or anything so, like this?
1: So um, kind of baked into the way that we're doing it now. So the nice part of what I found by doing the business podcast too, and we're bringing that same kind of concept here, is that by interviewing, and you talk about reciprocity all the time, and we've talked about this offline, yeah. is by interviewing people – You give them the content, but we talk to them about their business, how they use Vessel Vanguard, their experiences in the industry, what they do, everything like that. And baked into that is that feeling of reciprocity because, like you and I know, it's a nightmare for most people to make videos, and most people don't come and ask you about your business. And if they do, you're like, shit, I need my lawyer. It's IRS. Like, it's it's usually it's not not good. It's not usually. Yeah. Good it's thing. so
0: far out of the norm, which is cool.
1: And so we get to, it's kind of baked into yeah. what we do because we're doing interviews, we're doing things like that. So that kind of thing, definitely. And then using stories on Instagram is very helpful. And then LinkedIn tagging that business. It's, it's hugely helpful because you start that relationship and it's, You start promoting each other and there's a mutual benefit. We introduce them to new people. They introduce us to their people. Things like you kind of create this, I always hate saying synergy, but you do create this feeling where of camaraderie, even though it's through online, it translates to in-person.
0: 100%. Yeah. I never went to college. I was never in a fraternity. I loved, I played sports, so I loved being in the locker room. I like being around people. I've treated the social media almost like my fraternity. Like when I wanna do business now, if I'm seeking out something new, the first thing I do, unless it's somebody like in my real immediate circle, I'm going to my LinkedIn account and I wanna do business with somebody on there because if I'm gonna have to do the business anyway, I'd like to help start a new relationship. And then in hopes of triggering reciprocity. But remember, I got to do the business anyway. Yep. And so I don't want to give it like the feeling, hey, I'm doing this, but I want this back. I'm going to do it. And I think it's almost kind of like it's known like, oh, my God, I got business off social media. I want to do business off social media. And it's really it's I still can't believe it.
1: It's kind of mind blowing.
0: It's mind numbing.
1: Yeah, it's 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 addicting unfortunately it is addicting sometimes and part of the trap that this thing has too is you do have to balance that addictive trap side with i do also need to use this for business because you can like we have instagram we use it we talk with people all this kind of stuff it's very helpful but then you know how it goes you're like yeah. and suddenly Here it comes Seven oh, there's minutes, a watch. Seven or wow, minutes go by and you're Look at like, this guy
0: cliff diving. That's cool.
1: Yeah, you might also like. Yeah, yeah. Somebody built a go kart uh, yeah, out of no, and no visible bamboo. screws. Yeah. All right,
0: let me ask you this one because we talked about this the other day and it's somewhat a little bit controversial, but we can obviously tie this to business. Um, have you seen this story out of Atlanta, uh, Lululemon? Okay, no. so Lululemon is an obvious premier retailer of predominantly women's kind of stretchy pants, but they actually have men's uh, dress pants, which I wear. is very comfortable. And so they have high-end clothing. So they have a store in Atlanta. Three vandals run into the store and grab roughly about $7,500 worth. And by the way... That's not a lot of clothing in Lululemon, but nevertheless, it's a couple handfuls of garnets, and they leave. And two of the employees follow these you know, vandals out of the store, film, try and stop them, but they ended up getting away, but they film, they call the cops, and the cops ended up getting these guys and arrest them. The CEO of Lululemon, or Lululemon, fired these two women Mind blown, I know, mind blown. Fire these two women because it was against company policy to put yourself in any, you know, basically what he's saying is we're a big corporation have trillions of dollars, we'll just write that off. And I wanted to know what your take was on that first. I already think I know just based on your reaction. So you hadn't heard the story? No. Yeah, this was like a week or two ago, right? You saw this? It's a week or two ago. Fires them. coming from you know we're in a very litigious society like basically saying don't put yourself at risk that we'll write that off what the two women were saying well actually you're putting us at more risk by not doing anything because what it's saying to everybody is feel free to come in and what's next when they're in here do they got to start holding my gunpoint and they got to try on stuff for them like where does it stop
1: yeah no that's actually that's a good point uh As a counterpoint, because I understand from high level what like Lululemon CEO is saying and that point that you can take. But this actually highlights a a space where we are, is you have these big companies like this. They either get bought by public companies, whatever it is. There is a disconnect from what's going on in reality. Because what they're talking about is – Reality for them—they see it. They see what the lawsuits look like from the one or two people that that happens to an employee somewhere else in Oklahoma went and did that, and then they fell and they slipped on this ice, and then their husband told them that they need to sue, and then now this costs them in six million dollars. So they're like, don't even worry about it. But from a real-world perspective, that's a, that's something that happens. And then that replicates and happens again and again and again all over the place. They say don't
0: feed the alligators. This is really no different. You start feeding it. You're you're basically saying, come steal our shit. And that's,
1: that's, you start to build that habit across like the real world situation. So people have to deal with these terrible situations. Terrible. That's that's what you see. Like, I I just uh, uh, listened to the Tim Dillon podcast. If you haven't heard it, I'll send it to you it's the fun it's it's kind of mind-blowing how funny it is but like he was talking about um i think it's walgreens in i think chicago maybe they got everything locked up i think they have everything locked up but but you look at who that really affects it affects the people that live there it affects the people that work there but it also affects your fucking view of the world like you it's When everybody talks about totalitarian state and all this stuff and the clampdowns, and that is literally like a dystopian thing, yeah. You cannot touch. I know that there's other people that should like that did wrong, but you cannot touch now because presumption is you're the criminal, and it's it's weird. I know that that's different than Lululemon, but that's like seems like the start. Of that slide, and you also can see the other end of that slide. Is oh, you like-
0: nailed it! The the CEO goes from bedsheets to spreadsheets, and that's how they see the business. <laughs> and then you have these real world people that are actually doing boots on the ground, doing the work, and they know what the ramifications are going to be if they don't do it. I'm going to give you a perfect example of the other side of this. There's a guy that works in our factory. Uh, he's a high position, uh, Bryce, and. I recruited him to come work in our factory eight years ago. He's he's a high-level position right now, minority owner in my shower door as well. But before that, he worked at a very high-end country club. And when I heard this story, this this was one of the things that I love most about him. It speaks to his character. He, um, If you're familiar with the golf club kind of membership community, you have the pro shop, and then there's locker rooms, and then you have like bag boys and starters, You know, they're kind of like, those are the entry level jobs in there. And then you're really the assistant pro and head pro or the greenskeeper. Those are the big money jobs. So he's in there one Saturday, this is about 10 years ago, and he's in the locker room and at that time, there was this kind of scam where guys would come from the other coast dressed up as golfers. And one would go in the pro shop during the summer because there's nobody at these clubs in the summer. He'd go in and run interference on people and they're asking questions. And the other two would go in the locker room and start breaking into lockers, steal stuff. And then there'd be a driver, they'd all run out and go. And this was happening. And he happens to be at the club one Saturday when this happened and recognizes, just like we were talking earlier, there's a red flag, like something instinctually, something's not right here. And he starts connecting the dots and they realize, he realizes and they leave and he chases them. Two of them get in the car, but he tackles one. Guy falls on the ground, face smash against the ground. He totally tuned him up. And he figured this is a kitchen pass for me to beat somebody's ass and hopefully be celebrated as a hero. And he was. These members found out about this. He said years later, people are still talking about this, but they they had passed a hat around for him. and when he came into work the next day, there was an amount of money that he'd never even seen before. in all his years of saving, you know, at this point he's you know 30, and he gets handed a bag from the members of their appreciation because he cared enough to, do the right thing. He, he witnessed something and he felt that he could take action. No different than that. I'm not saying that people should take action, but they shouldn't be punished if they're deciding to take action for the greater good of everybody else. Yeah. And so when I saw that, it was kind of discouraging. We actually did a post um, to offer these ladies um, a position at, you know, we would be happy to have somebody like that on our team that cared so much that they were willing to put themselves at risk for everybody else's sake. It says a lot about their character. It really does. That's somebody I'd want to work with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's weird that they got fired for that. This
0: made national news. Yeah.
1: I can see them going like, Hey guys, I appreciate what you did. Thank you. Don't do it. For again. A next time. Yeah. Here's why we don't want you yeah. to do it. Like That makes total sense.
0: (laughs) It would have been the smart thing because to the public, they're like, you don't do that a little lemon, you know, you will be caught and punished. And here's an example of that. Behind closed doors, hey, we really prefer that you didn't do this. For this reason, this is the company's stance. And they could have decided at that point, but to just, you know, gas them after that, just, that was mind numbing to me. Like that's how far we've come.
1: We really have. Absolutely. It's crazy. Well, I get, before we wrap up. I do want to talk about your like operation there because when I was at at my shower door, like the factory oh. up off Alico. Of dude, you haven't you haven't seen that, right? It's, we should do a podcast up there. I'm down for that because I, yeah, I'm not blowing smoke. I, this is not full of shit here. I it was one of the most impressive like buildings I've ever been in to see. All of the like the setup station, where they actually manufacture it, those tempering machines, those things are huge. Massive. They're massive. These guys are running CNC machines. Let me
0: tell you something about the tempering machine to really put it at scale. The bigger of the so there's two tempering ovens, but the bigger one of the two consumes so much power in one eight-hour shift, it consumes more power than every business on Alico Road combined, that oven consumes more power than every other business on Alico Road combined. Really? Yeah for the amount of heat that it has to create to be able to temper this glass you know for a full eight hours. what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Holy so you shit. saw that whole wall of electrical banks. Yeah. You know, outside there's a a terminal that comes in from FP&L. Our friends at FP&L, that give us a phenomenal rate. <laughs> we love FPNL. Hopefully we can get us a, a lower rate after this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but dude, it's really impressive and and it's one of the things I do want to have you talk about is just the opportunities for younger people to mm. to work there because yeah. I, it's all its all kind of – two things happened in the past day. So the guy that was in here earlier lives in my neighborhood. We're working together to – he's even putting together a podcast. But he's the guy that has a clip with the millions of views. Oh. But he, his focus right now is to try to get more young people, high schoolers, things like that of into course. the trades because he's in construction. He said for every – seven people that leave the construction industry, one person goes in right now. So the opportunities are huge to make really good money in not that long a period of time. And so he's talking about that. We went to a uh, marine exhaust shop, D'Angelo's Marine yesterday in Fort Lauderdale. He gave us a walkthrough. It's, It's different, but it's very similar. It's like a factory process like you guys have. And like- High temperature things, CNC machines, stuff like that. It's different, but jobs similar. that need to be done. Jobs that need to be done. He's having the same thing. He's trying to recruit newer people. So, if you can, just what what can younger people? What can people that want to make a career change like? How do they get into this? Like, what's what do they need to do for something like this? And where's where does it go for them if they want to get into that? Well,
0: first, I would say. I'd- I would tie this back into what we talked about earlier is being aware. I'm not at an age yet where I or in a position yet where I'm unaware of what younger people, I have two young kids, a lot of the installers, it's a young man's game, you're Kevin Heavy Glass, it's a young man's game. So what we found was first we needed to create attention towards our industry. So we use this social media because glass and the hard work that we do and passion we take, it's sexy. And it shows good on social media, which is gonna bring more opportunities. But that component allows for so much more growth and branding, not only for the company, but for the individuals. And so what we started doing was, you know, when we're onboarding somebody, if they're interested, you know, what are your dreams and aspirations? Do you wanna learn a trade? Because we're, we'd love to teach you a trade and we have plenty of work for that but alongside that, maybe you don't wanna do that forever. While you're doing that, let's document your journey through social media on your own channels, we're gonna do this together. I'll help them and and help create a modern day resume for yourself through social media because that's what they like, they like social media. Yeah, They're all on it and if you can get attention and showcase the work that you're doing, it's gonna do a couple things. One, it's gonna bring more attention to the industry because you know people hang around people they like, you know, steal hard and steal. So if their friends see him working hard and being rewarded with his teammates and maybe even start getting paid off social media, they're gonna wanna do it. And so we have to change how we look at each individual industry. So the first thing we did, was start highlighting all that stuff on social media. Then through a bunch of exit interviews over the last decade or two, we've noticed, you know, training not nearly enough time is spent on training and almost mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, okay, once a quarter, we're meeting on the third Friday, once a quarter, we're gonna go over <laughs> standard procedure. No, no, yeah. like like literally sitting down and spending a half a day talking to somebody, real life, ex- helping them out, being empathetic. Uh, so we put four weeks into training right out of the gate, two weeks on product knowledge and nomenclature, another two weeks, emotional intelligence and you know, what their opportunities could be if they utilize these soft skills. And we'll kind of lay out a plan because a lot of younger people want things so fast. Just like you said, I want to get going. It's just not moving fast. I'm pouring money into this. And I have this fear of when's it going to happen? Should I be even doing this? And so if you have that, so doesn't this 20-year-old kid that's coming out of college that He's like, well, why am I going to get in construction? I'm going to sit in a trailer for the next three years and just, you know, hate my life. No, we're going to lay out a plan of if you do this, this, and this, you can expect this to happen at the end of this year. And then what we'd like to see happen is if you follow these steps, you can get to here. And so instead of creating a their first onboarding plan, we're creating a plan for the first three, five years. Okay. And it kind of takes that anxiety off the table. Wow. So you're saying I can have this. This is what I have to do. Done, I wanna do that. And along the way, some, some some, really enjoy it and they can push it faster. Some are like, you know what, this really isn't for me. I'd like to kinda of move into a different role. And we're really about constantly checking in with people on that because as they get older, things change. Oh, yeah. now you're married, now you have a kid. Your, Your wants and desires change. And if you're not asking them how they're doing, And and are you ready for something else? Do you wanna be pushed more? If you're not having those like real life type of conversations, you're gonna have a lot of turnover. And with turnover is lost profit. And you know, if I was to get a job today, like if we closed down everything and I was going out, the first thing I would do if you were hiring is I wanna know what your turnover rate is and if you don't know i know i probably shouldn't even be doing business with anyway because if you don't know what your turnovers you probably don't know what your profit margins are and how the hell are you going to give me a five-year plan to make a lot of money when you can't even answer two basic business questions yep. first. and so when you start being aware of those things then you can take that worry off the table for new opportunities you can start marketing that way and now you're starting to market to something that interests them because like oh wow I can see I can get ahead they're very progressive and using social it wasn't even like 10 years ago where there was like blockers in a lot of businesses to prevent people from going on social media while they were at work yeah and that's how far we've changed now where the social media has become the oxygen of most businesses Mm -hmm. my architectural glass has not done any advertising other than social media. And we've been in business five years, so it is it is the lifeline of our business. But I think it's also used to tailor into the newer generation that that um, might be interested in getting in construction. And I will also say, out of all the different arenas that someone young getting, let's say they get into high school, don't wanna go to college. I wanna start a career right now, and I'm gonna dedicate four years just like I would have at college, but to a career, which would be, you should be something with your hands. And the reason for that is the same reason you brought up, there's less and less people doing it, which means that's a more expensive commodity. And over four years, if you pour yourself into that, and dedicate yourself, you will start getting closer to your 10,000 hours, the game starts slowing down, you're very aware, you start creating a demand for yourself.
1: Well, and, and also it's it, – I, I didn't think of it like this until now, but you are also – these things go in waves, right? So let's say this does turn back around, which when I was talking to Ike about this, he doesn't feel like it will. But let's say it does and more people join the trades and like this actually goes back up. So it becomes more of a commodity and then maybe you don't make as much over time you're getting in at the point right now we're either on the downslope of availability or we're at the trough so either way if you get in now and you start working at it by the time you get past the breakers of the entry level stuff of this and you learn it and you know it if that curve does come back up and it's worth less technically or whatever you're already in the expertise zone, of where you're less affected by availability of people. Cream will like always
0: that. rise to the top. Yeah. It's not even a question. But
1: you're also you're you're kind of getting in the wave at the right point to where you your downsides are kind of limited. If you think about especially
0: it, especially here in Southwest Florida, the rest of the country could go into a recession, and we'd feel it but we're not going to feel it as much as Detroit
1: mm-hmm. or,
0: you know, some suburb outside of New Chicago York City, Chicago. Or yeah. yeah, this is where more and more people are migrating down this way and fewer and fewer people are getting in the trades, which just automatically makes what we do more valuable. Mm. And especially for a younger individual, if they could commit themselves to that four years, like right out of high school, if they weren't ready for college, because you can party at home. You don't have to go pay somewhere to go party. You can party at home. And that's what I did. And I'd go you know, hang out at my friend's dorms over the weekend. And I didn't have that burden of all that debt, but I was getting my reps in a lot earlier. And I, um, I think any young individual that's unsure, if they can be patient and get into anything, uh, video content creation, you know, there's a huge demand for that, um, working with your hands, Anything where you physically have to take in data and build and you're building with, there's just massive opportunities, especially if you take it serious, especially. And we see it. We got a ton of guys, ton of guys that have bought into what we're doing and they're climbing the ranks faster than they thought. And we're seeing people climb the ranks faster than it's ever happened in the history of our business. And it just goes to show there's so much demand, not enough supply to fill that demand. So the ones that are good at it are gonna get paid because we don't wanna lose them. That's how the free market works.
1: Yeah, and you're gonna get moved into positions of management and leadership and things like that.
0: Absolutely, especially for, how about these people say, oh my God, you just love firing people. No, no true (laughs) entrepreneur ever wants to get rid of somebody that's making them money. The only reason they'd fire you is you're a cancer. You know, one really good person. I would rather have instead of a rock star, I'd rather have ten, you know, good B high C level players that aren't disrupting the apple cart, and they work together into a cohesive bond. Because as a group, we're going to achieve so much more. Mm-hmm. And that's really been something that's showcased. So I can't wait for you guys. By the way, the factory that you were talking about, the person that runs that factory is the same person that I shared the story with um, at the golf course. So when we do go up there and have that podcast, I want to make sure you get to meet Mr. Bryce. Okay. Hopefully he doesn't pound your face in. As <laughs> long as you're not stealing anything out of lockers.
1: I'm going to try, <laughs> try not to now. Well, thanks for I'll, doing that. Wait, I want to ask one more thing. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm really curious about this because this is all I do now is watch podcasting. Um, have you watched Nelk Boys? You know of the Nelk Boys? Yeah. So they've kind of like, Graduated from being like pranksters out of out of Toronto or somewhere in Canada and then came Toronto. into the States. Yeah, yeah. And now I've kind of graduated to having just this podcast where they get on just like you and I are. But that led into a branding. Now, these guys were known for going around like kicking people in the balls and like <sighs> yeah. spraying foam on, whatever they were doing, just funny gags to having a podcast to owning – like their own liquor, like Hard Seltzer, that happy dad. And they're in bed with, I think it's Death Row Records. It's like a collaboration with Snoop and stuff over this Hard Seltzer. And this all started through these social media posts. Yeah. And who, they would, I I saw a post the other day where they said they had no idea that that was ever even a possibility until they were approached. And it was one post that got them that opportunity. And so... I wanted to ask you if you have any aspirations of this podcasting getting to a much bigger level and what, what is, what is a bigger level look like to you?
1: I want it to, and I don't know what that looks like. And so the way that I've, I've been, the way I've been looking at this, right, is when Ty came on board, he really likes the YouTube stuff and everything like that. And he's good at, at it. He's really good at it. And he's been working it. And, and he's got nice hair and he's got a nice he's got a nice flow for sure i'll give you that i'll give you that don't don't get in this i can't i can't can't have him leave game recognizes game chris okay can't be going modeling for neutrogena (laughs) or something (laughs) who knows Um, could be a branding deal yeah but that like i i see this as a vehicle for me to be able to have conversations like this because people want to be part of something like this like I initially put this together. You saw it. I didn't have anything going on, but I was like, hey, I am I see this guy Keith on LinkedIn all the time. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to send him a message. I'm so if, glad see you if did. he did. And You've you,
0: inspired me. You have no idea. You getting me in that studio has inspired so much more on the social side because of that interaction.
1: That initial, tri- the first yes. of the three. So yes. this is the third one. And so that's where I was like, when i put it out and you yeah. were like yeah man of course i'll come like it made me realize like okay there are things that i'm interested in and i like talking to people i like having conversations like this because while you and i have good conversations we've actually you're one of the few people that i've actually have talked to for like <laughs> over an hour outside of this kind of stuff but most people Don't take the time to do that because everybody's busy. And sometimes, if you're just talking, you got other shit to do. So this is a nice way to be able to sit down for a chunk of time. I can kind of talk to you about whatever we want to talk about and have that opportunity. And I would like this to be initially goal is self-sustaining, which it's that's fairly close to because just from doing it over time, so it sustains itself in terms of cost. I enjoy doing it and let it go. Whatever it grows into great. If that brings me money, awesome, all these things, like I want that. So don't get me wrong of like, oh, I'm so altruistic. I don't even care. <laughs> I'm altruistic. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I would like all that, but I do like it. Kind of the more important thing for me is I want this to grow into a point where it lets me have anybody that I want to talk to also wants to sit down and wants to have conversations with me, like that's where I see this going. And then maybe it opens the door to be able to make music or make like funny sketches, all this kind of stuff. And I want money for that, all all of these things. I don't know what that is, but I do, I do view this as I want it to grow to a point of freedom. So I want it to maintain and grow into the ability for me to, go whatever direction cool. that I want to That's go. That's really cool. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: I My hope for YouTube is I want to incorporate the uh, Mr. Beast mentality, and I want to dovetail that into building amazing culture within our business to have long-lasting you know, legacy employees. Meaning, if I could get my YouTube channel, and hopefully Ty will pop that up while we're talking here, um, If I can get my YouTube channel to the point where it's monetized and I'm able to receive money on a monthly basis, I will then take every cent out of that and go do surprise videos on all of my installers and employees in the factory. And I will give away every cent in hopes, like Mr. Beast, to get more views and just keep the cycle going. And they'll kind of arbitrarily be the benefactor of all their hard work and they don't even know it because I've offered a lot of them to get on and it's tough. People are afraid. It's fearful. And I'd be happy to carry that torch, especially if it can get to the point where it can start generating real money like it does for a lot of these people. And I'll use that in this next leg of the business to not only maintain, but attract new Mm -hmm. clients. Because I found out about Mr. Beast from my kid. Okay, my kid's 14. I never even heard of it. I thought it was a cartoon. And then I started watching. I'm like, this dude's a genius. Mm-hmm. And he's a genius. And and I love how humble he is. You know, he's not about chasing a bigger box to live in. Like, he's like, why do I need money? I got everything I need. It's like, what a great attitude. And so I would hope that um, your channel would allow you to do things like that as well. And and to that builder, if he's got a YouTube channel or anybody that cares about their business in this day and age that doesn't have time for social should reach out to you and Ty, you can come in for an hour conversation, talk about whatever the fuck you want. You guys will chop it up into 10, 20, however many clips they want. And they don't have to do any of that work, but they can have you do it. And if they haven't done that, they should look into it. Maybe they're unaware of it, but um, not utilizing social media to build your business in this day and age just means you're unaware like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Because the future of working with your hands and all these younger generations going to be taking over the jobs that we're doing are on social media. Yeah. And so they should reach out to you.
1: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So where can people find you on different social media channels? And also promote your YouTube channel cuz I haven't been watching it but I did watch the one video that you did about which glass will shatter and I I there is a couple points where You
0: got to watch a couple more.
1: I actually I I legitimately laughed that loud at one point. <laughs> I don't know which point it was, but I was like, "Holy shit. He's up on a fucking forklift." <laughs>
0: yeah, pushes. I got yelled at by HR and that. They're like, "Oh no, what is he doing?" And he's got like, a kid out there with him. I was
1: like, "He's getting he's getting yelled at." for sure for this yeah, but it's funny. it was worth it
0: I'm on LinkedIn Keith Daltman on LinkedIn uh, Instagram is My Architectural Glass Facebook it's Keith Daltman and My Architectural Glass and then of course the YouTube channel is Glass Guy and it's G-L-A-Z-Z G-U-Y cool but uh, I appreciate this it's always fun coming Dude, here you guys are yeah. totally professionals
1: thanks man let's do this again because I always have a good time doing this man I appreciate it sweet cool
0: Thank you, Ty.